Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is cursed. Jason's alive. He killed my friend. Now he's coming for me. He's got a death curse. Jason's a legend. I was his warrior. An old friend of the Christie's. Jason belongs in hell. You're joining me if you stay here. Good evening and welcome to another episode of Return to Camp Blood. I am your host, Nathan Barker, and joining me tonight is the Lando. How y'all doing? And for technically his first official episode as part of the squad, granted he was on the last episode, but now he's officially part of the team, Ben Diatley. Hey, what's up, guys? All right, for tonight's episode here at Camp Crystal Lake, I have received a request from one of our listeners, Eric Vandermark. I appreciate you writing in, and he suggested that we discuss some of the top campers or characters, if you will, not including final girls or Tommy Jarvis, obviously, or Jason, which, uh, Eric, I think was a great suggestion. And, uh, like I said, thanks for contacting me and listening to the show, of course. So for tonight, that's exactly what we will cover is our top campers for Friday the 13th. Now, prior to recording, we decided that it would be more, uh, fair to separate the male and the female. And uh, yeah, I, I have to agree with that also. I, without um, most, of, most of my top campers or characters would be male. So I think it's a good idea to separate those. So this episode will strictly be for the guys. And we basically decided to do a top five, if you will. And that top five will be starting with one from my personal favorite of the franchise, Friday the 13th, part six, and that is Court. Played by Tom Fridley. Now, Lando, most of our regular listeners will know that Lando and I are huge part six fans. So obviously you can expect that Court would be right up there. And I, I'm not sure if Ben's huge into part six, like Landon and I are, but uh, yeah. What are your thoughts on six, Ben? I can't remember if that was one of your favorites or not. Yeah, it's, it's definitely up there for me. It's, it's one of my favorites. I, I definitely appreciate it. Right. So we basically put together this list. We came into agreements rather than just saying who's your number five and then blah, blah, blah. So we basically had more or less the same list. Um, so it worked out pretty much perfect. So like I said, Lando and I are huge part six fans. So Lando, what is it about court that makes him your favorite? He's just the funniest, most likable character in the franchise for my money. I mean, 
you have all these characters. I mean, we all know about, you know, Pamela and, you know, crazy Ralph and officer Dorf and these people that have been around, but, you know, talking about the parameters that we had here, no Tommy Jarvis, no final girls, uh, court under any circumstance for me is the best character in the franchise. It's just, there was just so many moments just thinking about like <laughs> the intricacies of the native American rock formation, just that scene alone. He just reminds somebody it's just, it's, it's hilarious because years later you see like watch the office and it's it kind of has that, Michael Scott kind of air to him. I mean, he's sitting there speaking with authority on something he knows absolutely shit about. And, but he's just throwing it out there, you know, and he just thinks that people are chewing it up because, you know, he's a counselor and they're believing him. And, you know, the kids are over there kind of mocking him and all that type of thing. And it, it's just fantastic. And then it's just the lines, you know, I've never driven a house before, you know, I'm having such a good time, things like that. And the 10 more minutes scene. I mean, it's just everything about court was just, if you were to like, just dream up a character for one of these movies. Court is exactly what you'd want. He's just somebody who's always smiling. He's looking to have a good time. He's kind of oblivious to what's going on around him. And he's just entertaining to watch. So there was no question for me, Court was going to be on the list and he he's going to be number one as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. It, when you think about, of course, it's middle of the 80s, 1986, and he is the poster child for what an 80s teenager would have basically a late teenager would have been at that time the torn up pants and the hair and it's it's all just classic 80s shit and you're right with uh, some of his lines and and i totally agree with all that and uh not just because six is my favorite if that character would have been say in part seven or would have been in part five something similar to that he still would have been my my favorite so yeah, we're, we're kicking off tonight with the number one and just going to work our way down. Typically, we would go, obviously, in, uh, in, in back order. But tonight, we're just starting with the best and working our way down. So uh, same question to you, Ben. What, what I guess, is it about Court that uh, draws you to make him right up there? Well, Court was just cool. I, I mean, I, I wanted to be Court. You know, he was I wasn't old enough, I guess, back then to really remember what the 80s were like. But I would like to think that that court just nailed it. Like you said, like poster child for the 80s. He was he was always in a good mood. You know, he didn't complain. There was always a party around him or a good time. You know, he was funny. He had the jokes, uh, the lines, uh, the the music, He always, you know, the headphones. And he was always rocking out. He was like an 80s rocker. And he got the girl, of course, too. You know, so what what isn't to, to like about court? Uh, really no complaints there. I said he, he was always in, in a good mood and a good time. Every scene that he was in was was classic or better than the last one, you know. It, it really was. I mean, that's a good way to put it too. Yeah, he, he got the girl on top of that, and every scene that he is in is pretty much a good scene. There's, I can't think of anything. Uh, thinking back on it now, like, uh, no, no, every all of it's all good. So, and plus, one of the cooler kills with the knife to the head and the RV scene. I mean, it's just it's classic badass Friday shit. There's no other way to explain it. And something about it that always stands out to me is, you know, I always, I take into account, you know, actors, you know, just their ability and their believability when they're on screen. I mean, you could talk about a goofy character and, you know, it's part six of a franchise and, you know, he Fridley didn't do a, a lot of other things. I mean, he was a bit part in Karate Kid and all that kind of thing, but he was believable. You know, he, I mean, you bought into what it was, you know, when in those moments when he was attempting to be serious, he pulled it off. So he wasn't just some goofy guy that they fed some decent lines and he's memorable because the lines were so funny. He made them funny. You know, he, he, he's so memorable as a character because of his, his acting ability. And that's something that I was thinking back, you know, 
we're excluding final girls, but like the reason Amy Steele, I think res- resonates so much with people is because she was so good. You know, it wasn't just the character. It was the fact that, you know, she was so believable. There wasn't anything where it's like, okay, that wasn't that great. You know, I mean, Fridley nailed it. And, you know, it was because of his, his, his talent. That's why court is so memorable as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. He was perfect for that role. And of course the talent runs in the family, because as you all know, right. he's related to fucking John Travolta. I mean, come right. on. So the acting, I guess, gene, if you want to call it that, is in the blood. So go figure. And no, he didn't go on to do super great things after that, but definitely a talented guy. And uh, I'm, I'm just thinking now while we're talking here, it's like, what would Court, what, what kind of car would he have had back then? And I'm going <laughs> to say he would have had, he would have been driving an IROC Camaro with T-tops. I, I mean, that's <laughs> That's what I picture him in, you know, uh, an 85, 86 IROC, a red one with T-tops, you know, driving, cruising around, listening to to hair bands. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's, yeah. that's what I picture. I, I don't know if when when you look at his character, that's what I, I for whatever reason, he just looks like he should be on an IROC Camaro poster. I don't know. <laughs> I think, you know, I, I think it's definitely true. I think that's what he would have aspired to. But I think, you know, Court just looking at his nature, you know, anything to have a good time, you know, I don't know if he's somebody that would have been putting money aside to invest in something like that. I think court would have been driving around in a beater and wishing he had Megan's car. Uh, but that's, that's just my two cents. Now, see, I don't even picture him in Megan's car. Cause that's a different body style of Camaro. So you know, I know I'm just like- saying a, a car like that, you know, like it's a, a badass. you know, it's got some muscle, but he'd probably be driving around a piece of shit. I don't know. I mean, I just look at him and when I think, uh, cause I've, I've had a few IROC Camaros over the years and I, I love them, but for whatever reason, they always get basically put in the kind of the redneck category or the hillbilly category or the, uh, the, uh, I don't know the, the way the court looks, you know, rocking the mullet and the torn up jeans. It's just like, um, it's like IROC Camaro screamed mid eighties and he screams mid eighties. So it's like, I just picture him driving an IROC for whatever reason, you know, not that he's a hillbilly by any means, but it's like that, you know, if there was hashtags back then it'd be America, you know, like he was the poster <laughs> child for, for American teenagers back then. So yeah, I don't know. That's just my thought anyway. Mm-hmm. But if you think, if you think that he would be and say an older Camaro, well then of course, so be it too. I mean, that, that works too. But like I said, for whatever reason, I just picture, uh, especially looking at older ads and stuff like that. And I remember people with mullets and shit driving around the IROCs. It was just kind of the look, he had the look for the IROC owners, I guess. Oh, I, I wouldn't dispute that. I think he definitely, I just don't know if he would have had the discipline to actually acquire one unless, you know, like his, his dad, you know, gave it to him. Maybe, I don't think it's something he would be buying. Maybe Uncle John Travolta bought one. I mean, come on. You <laughs> maybe. Know? I mean, maybe. Christ. Who knows? I mean, there's money over there. He might have had two or three of them. So, uh, what would he have? What what kind of car would Court have driven, in your opinion, Ben? I mean, just, oh, man. just for shits and giggles. I, I I just yeah, I see him trying to borrow Megan's. <laughs> um, I I don't think he had a car. I I really don't. <laughs> I think I think he had so much fun driving that RV. You know, driving that house. I, I think that was you know one of his first times driving ever. Like I don't I don't think he had a car. I don't think he uh. Yeah, really would have saved up to have that nice of a car. So, yeah, I think he was probably probably riding the bus, man. Well, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> he might have been, like I said, he, he might have been given an IROC, too. So I'm going to stick with that story. If if, right. Court, if Court had a, a fucking car, it was an IROC. That's all <laughs> I'm going to say. So 
Anyways, moving on from court. And the next choice is, I don't want to say it wasn't tough because court was it. If, if it were to be a difficult choice, this would certainly be the understandable one and for obvious reasons. So next on the list would be Mr. Larry Zerner, a.k.a. Shelly. Would you be yourself if you look like this? So for me, I did like Shelly's character, the goofiness and stuff behind it. But the one reason in particular that he would be right up there on the list is because without him, no hockey mask. So that there in itself puts him right at the top for me. So I don't know what you guys' thoughts are on that, but that in itself does it for me. That's something for me that uh, that that's true, and that's a huge part of the lore of the franchise. But almost universally, anytime Larry Zerner gets mentioned, you know, people throw that out there as if that was his 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 best contribution. And I'm not saying that you're saying that. But, I mean, you see that so often, it's almost like he's reduced to that. That character, you talked about the goofiness, the awkwardness. I mean, you know, he's so memorable. And you you, you feel bad for him, but you want to slap him at the same time. I mean, the Shelly character is really just absolutely fantastic. I mean, it's just he's just relentless. He's just a goofball. But, you know, he, he thinks that he's going to get in good, and he just doesn't know how to go about it. He's just so awkward. Um, there's just a lot about Shelly that was likable, you know, and he – I think it was the fact that, you know, he could be a sympathetic figure as well. And, you know, the fact they set it up is like, you know, the boy that cried wolf kind of thing. I mean, everything about the character was was well executed. And I know they found him, you know, working as like an usher in a theater. So it wasn't like he had a lot of history with acting or anything like that. But you talk about those moments where, you know, like manna from heaven, man. It's just like you think about like, what is that show? Uh, the Big Bang Theory. Whenever Jim Parsons walked through the door, you know, the people that were casting it had to look at each other and be like, thank fucking God, we just found him. And I mean, Shelly, I mean, Larry Zerner was absolutely perfect for that part. If Tom Fridley was perfect for court, you know, Larry Zerner was doubly perfect for Shelly. Absolutely. And like I said, I I love the Shelly character. So, but just just being the one who provided the mask basically that just puts you in a certain status and not that any of the other characters couldn't have done that but when you throw in that aspect on top of all the great things that he did bring to the screen even though he wasn't an experienced actor he did he did a a fantastic job and I think you just said it perfectly is that he was the perfect choice for that and it, it would be interesting to watch a casting call for that character now that you've seen Larry Zerner play that character Mm -hmm. and now if they were if they were ever going to hypothetically remake do a remake of it or whatever with this and recast these characters all these years later uh it would be interesting to see who could step in and do that now it's almost like uh jonah hill 10 years ago maybe could have done it if if that were (laughs) when you you think of somebody with the hair and the look he's like he's like the 80s version of jonah hill in super bad that's like when i when i see him that's what i'm reminded of that's that's spot on. I never even thought of that, but that that's absolutely perfect. Because when you were saying about recasting and remake, I was just like wincing over here. And then when you brought in Jonah Hill, all of a sudden it's like, well, wait a minute now. <laughs> so that's actually a really good observation. That that I think he would have been perfect for that. Yeah, I mean, not now. Not that he's lost a bunch of weight and his hair is different. Right, and right. Blah blah blah. But back, it, back when Superman was out. Yeah, ten ten years ago, he would have been the perfect replacement for Shelley if that were to ever happen. But I would. 
I would like to have seen casting tapes for the Shelley character from back in the eighties. If they're, if they were even in, in existence, which I'm sure they're not or something probably would have surfaced by now, but I, I really find it. I don't think they could have picked a better person. Uh, I, I really don't because uh, a more experienced actor probably wouldn't have been able to bring what Larry did. I just don't think they would have been a little bit more serious probably. And uh, yeah, I mean, you don't get that. You don't look at that character when you're watching the film and think that Larry is inexperienced. That never comes across on the screen. I think he really delivered a good performance. So uh, Ben, anything to add to Shelley? Well, I'm a pretty big fan of, of part three. And I, I think after after you watch the film, you know, a couple of times, I think Shelley is is one of the characters that that you remember, you know, pretty well. Uh, maybe because of the hockey mask, I'll agree with you on that. But I think overall, Shelley was just a good guy. You know, he he meant well. You just kind of love, love to hate him. You know, he just wanted people to like him. And I think that we could kind of relate to him. He was trying to get the hot girl, but, you know, he, he couldn't. He was kind of a loner. So, yeah, I think if I had to put together an all-star cast of, of campers, Shelly would, would definitely be on there. Um, and, and a favorite in the video game, too. I, I don't know if that adds, you know, anything to it. And, and Larry Zerner's involvement definitely in the horror community, the conventions. I think that just all adds to it and really makes, makes Shelly more – more of a badass it's crazy in, in 1982 when the film came out you know who would have thought that we'd be sitting here with with Shelly so high on our list well I think the video game definitely brought in some more fans or maybe caused them to revisit the film uh, especially the younger crowd that is just playing the game just because oh it's you know it's fun to chase people around and kill them uh, they don't they're not necessarily big Friday the 13th fans they're just fans of the game and I've, as you know, I've played the fuck out of the game and more so when it first came out rather than now, but playing online with people and stuff and you, you see the, the amount of young kids that are the year in the, the public chats or whatever. And you know, goddamn well, these kids don't know shit about, about anything Friday the 13th. They just know who Jason is and that the game's fun to play. And even some adult friends of mine that I've played online with and they're like, yeah, I'm not like, I know, I know what Friday the 13th is not really a big fan, but I love playing the game. So people like that might cause you to rewatch some of the films, I guess. Um, and I could be wrong. I don't know, but I think, I think you're right. I think it definitely helped. But for me, part three, uh, three and six are my two favorites. So I would expect probably to have right up there at the top one from each of the films, if not from one film. So it, um, yeah, he's just he's an iconic character and and with the the whole mask thing, I mean that's that's a big part, but that's not a sole deciding factor. I mean, I said earlier that yeah, that that would be a reason in itself. It is, but it's not. It, he's like the he's he's just the total package for being a top camper just that reason and then of course what he brought to the character. So now um uh, I don't know if since you're a gamer too, obviously you and I have played, but um I mean, what what do you think about all that? Do you think that that brought back maybe uh, or brought some of the younger players to to watch a film like that that they probably have never seen? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, I think for, for any young gamer that, that played the game, I mean, they had Fox, obviously Tommy Jarvis and everything to, uh, you know, to, to maybe want to check it out, you know, maybe see what what Higgins Haven or, or Packenack is, you know, and then and then to watch part three and go, oh, you know, that's that guy from the movie. And then it all kind of, you know, definitely makes them 
probably like Shelly or, you know, the other characters in the game a lot more. Yeah. Uh, Lando's not a gamer. So, but I, yeah, I mean, it's, <clears throat> I think you're probably right. I just haven't really talked to anybody younger to ask them if they have. So yeah, if I see some, if we're at a convention or something sometime and maybe see some of the younger, younger crowd, maybe ask them what their thoughts are on it. Just, you know, just for shits and giggles. So uh, funny that you mentioned the pack knack because moving down the line is Paul. And I'm going to give it to you straight about Jason. Played by John Fury. And one of the most iconic lines of Friday the 13th at the campfire scene. I'm going to give it to you straight about Jason. It doesn't get any more Friday the 13th than that scene right there. And not to mention Paul's a badass, plain and simple. So before we started, we kind of debated whether whether uh, the Paul character should be included in the list because I don't know, Lando or Ben, one of them had said something about the uh, the love interest. He was kind of like a final guy. Yeah, sort of, but he's still just one of the regular characters. And we said uh, no final girls or Tommy Jarvis. So it's like, fuck it. Paul can be on the list. So he is obviously right up there too, for many obvious reasons. I got a chance to meet John in person last year. Well, Ben, you were there at uh, the Friday part two reunion last year and got a badass poster with a bunch of the cast members. I think there was like eight of them there, if I remember correctly. But anyways, I got a nice glossy print of the campfire scene and John wrote, I'm going to give it to you straight about Jason. Nice, bold letters. The signature just really pops on it. It's, it's a nice focal point in my collection. Just an awesome picture. So, yeah, I, uh, what is what is it about Paul for you guys specifically? Uh, like I said, that's just general for me. We can get into the specifics. But, Lando, I know that you appreciate part two and uh, thoughts on Paul. Well, I think it's just like I talked about a little earlier with Amy Steele. As far as I think she was the best actress in the series. And I think that John Fury is the best actor in the series. And I think that's why they were so good together. And that's why part two, you know, ranks right there with Jason lives for me. Um, I, I just think, you know, is those things that he was supposed to be someone who was in charge and he was kind of, you know, susceptible to Ginny and these kind of things. But, you know, those moments when, I mean, when he's sitting there telling everybody, you know, what they need to do and, you know, this place is looking like a Burger King and, you know, we have to make sure that we're ready when people come through and telling the women to, you know, keep clean during your menstrual cycle and whatnot. I mean, it was just, he was just believable in those moments, but also it was that balance where he was very serious, but he could also be very funny. I mean, the lines, you know, I, I, I can never get enough of that, you know, no seconds on dessert for Jeff and Sandra tonight. That's just in his delivery, just absolute deadpan. I mean, it's just fantastic. And um, that scene in the bar though, I think is, you know, when Ginny's going off on her diatribe about putting it in real terms and everything. And he, she's like, well, what do you think? He's like, I think you're drunk, you know? And then, you know, there's the big laugh and everything, but she keeps on about it. And then he just looks at her and he sees that she's serious. And he just lays that line on her. He's like, Jason's a legend, you know, and that's it. I mean, he's just believable. He can be funny, but he can play it straight. And, uh, you know, never mind the character itself and the fact that, you know, he found Ginny at the end and he was kind of the, the quote unquote, you know, hero in that situation. And we, of course, we don't know really exactly how things played out with him, but it was just the, the fact that he could, no matter what it was, he was being asked to do in the film in a certain scene, he was able to do it. And I think that that's why he stands out to me. Well, and like you said about Amy Steele and you're right, that is a, a great combination of good acting and, and it really shows in that particular film. Now, 
I love the cast in part two. I do. Mm-hmm. I, they could all they could all be on this list. I mean, if I could pick, I could easily say, well, I mean, like I said, with court, court's right up there. But I could easily, uh, I, I love pretty much the entire cast of part two. They they all have great stuff, and with part three too, I, I, I do. Those are the the characters in those two movies in, in particular. Um, and like I said, if we had a top 10 list, there would be more from part two, definitely on this list. Or, I mean, with so many characters, you could, you could easily do, say, a, a top 15 if you wanted to. But obviously for tonight's purposes and time constraints and stuff, we're sticking with the five. But I do. I love uh, – there's a lot of other, other good characters in part two. And, uh, yeah, I mean, John – John is was very talented. He didn't have an, an illustrious career by any means, and I'm kind of surprised that he didn't, with especially with the performance that he did in Friday Part Two, because he, the acting chops were right on point in that film. Uh, like I said, Ben, you were with, uh, yeah, you were with at the Part Two reunion that I was just talking about last year, and I know you got a chance to meet John and and probably got to talk a little bit. But why Paul for you? Well, uh, Paul was a badass. I mean. I mean, he went hand to hand with Jason. It it didn't really go over too well, but I mean, he he was a badass. I think I think he would uh I think he would have kicked Nick's ass from seven or or Sean from eight. You know, I think he was definitely one of the stronger, better dudes. Uh, really, I agree with everything that you guys said. I mean, his classic "Give it to you straight" about Jason that that's just iconic right there. He was still you know strict with the campers, uh, well counselors I guess in training, but you know the whole dessert thing. Really, I'd have to say, though, if I was at a bar having drinks, I would want to have drinks with Paul like it, that that scene with him and Jenny. It just that looked like fun, you know, so I, I would have loved to have uh, been in on that. Oh, absolutely. Who wouldn't? And I've heard some of the cast members talk. And apparently that night really was a pretty good time that they were putting some drinks down. So, yeah, that would that would be great. I mean, if we could turn the clock back and walk into a bar the three of us. And then there, there they are sitting and party. And I mean, what better time could you ask for than that? Right. Uh, right. And then we'd make sure that they stayed because they wouldn't pay for a drink for the rest of the night. Right. We exactly. would make sure that it was taken care of. All right. Moving on to the number four spot, which is ironic because they are from Friday the 13th part four. And that is Jimmy. A dead fuck played by Crispin Glover, who we all know went on to have an amazing career. So Jimmy is iconic for a number of reasons. Obviously, the dance. I get that. And, of course, he gets the girl. Awesome. Just like Court. Awesome. So, but then there's just one other thing in there that is is so classic Friday also. And that's don't be a dead fuck. That says it all right there, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it does. I mean, it was... I remember, I don't remember exactly who did it, but somebody, some Friday the 13th fan had made a bunch of like Mentos commercials out of Friday the 13th films. And they put, you know, like 30 second spots together and they chose that and they kind of focused on, on Jimmy and, you know, the Doubleman twins and, and Ted and all that other stuff. And, you know, you remember the Mentos theme. I hope I don't plant that in anybody's head. And if I do, I'm sorry, but it's inevitably going to happen. But it was just the whole thing. And he came downstairs, you know, gave, gave Ted the panties. And he just starts cracking up, and that's when they get the freeze frame. He was like, Mentos, the fresh maker. And it was just hysterical because they were all good, but that one stood out be- because of Jimmy. But, I mean, everything you talked about is spot on, but also it's just it's so 
classic Crispin Glover. You just see him and it's just straight up George McFly. And he's like, Tad, where's the corkscrew? You know, and he's just irritated, but you can't help but laugh. You know, he's trying to be serious, but there's just an element of goofiness to him that, you know, that's just adorable in a way. Um, So, yeah. And the fact that, you know, you look at Friday, there are people who, you know, Kevin Bacon being in the original and whatnot, you know, these people who go on to do other things. A lot of people in the Friday franchise, they might go on and do a few other things, but a lot of times they kind of just fade away. And, you know, Chris McGlover certainly did not. And I think that also makes him memorable to look and be like, Hey, George McFly was, was in a Friday the 13th movie. So that, that kind of makes it cool too. Well, yeah, I mean, I, it does, but we didn't really know what his personality would transpire into, of course, of course, leading into back to the future, but we could say that right, too, I guess we're looking back now. That's what I, that's, yeah. well, I mean, we could say that about several characters, actually. I mean, Kevin Bacon, I mean, there's a number that did go right. on to do other stuff, but I don't, I don't really look at it like that myself. I don't really think I'm not a huge, huge back to the future fan. I mean, I love the films, but I don't really look at it as like, Oh, McFly was in Friday, but yeah, I, I get that. I mean, that, that makes sense. But beyond that, I think just what you see in the film just kind of speaks for itself. I mean, uh, it says you're a dead fuck. Small little things are so impactful. Uh, a while back, there was a limited run of T-shirts that said, don't be a dead fuck. So, huh. yeah, I mean, it's 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 more than just that. And, of course, he's the focal point. So that and the dancing, of course, he does get the girl, the goofiness. And Friday 4, of course, has a different kind of goofiness than we see in Part 3. It, it flows perfectly with everything that Part 4 brings to the screen and some of the part four cast members were recently at back in august uh friday the third uh friday the 13th reunion of all sorts actually it flashback week in chicago and i was gonna go and decided against it had some other things come up luckily ben was there and i had ben pick me up a signed photo from uh lawrence Monison. ben was like yeah he's pretty much got anything you want from the film there I had never met him because he doesn't do a bunch of convention appearances. So I've never had the chance to meet him. And that's one of the main reasons I wanted to go, of course. So Ben got me a signed picture that's of him sitting in the back of the car. And it's a close-up shot. And he signed it nice in silver Sharpie, nice and bold. He inscribed, it says you're a dead fuck, which is perfect. And it's another great <laughs> another great uh, addition to the collection. So another big thanks to Ben here for picking that up for me. As far as Jimmy goes, what does it for you, Ben? I know you I know you love part four, but probably the same reasons we've already said, I would imagine. But there's got to be a little something else. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously the dance and the dead fuck lines. I mean, that pretty much seals the deal. But uh, for me, I think besides Tommy in part four, I think Jimmy was the best character. Uh, I mean, he could have been a main character. He could have been Trish's love interest or something. And I would have been OK with that. I think he was, you know, he was funny. His character is pretty much there just to get laid. I mean, he was just trying to get laid the whole film. You kind of feel bad for him, and then it works out, obviously. Uh, but And then he delivers a great line, you know, right before his death with the corkscrew. I mean, he had so many great lines. But uh, the dance, definitely the dance, probably just iconic. It sticks out. You always remember. You're not going to you're not gonna watch part four and walk away and not remember that dance. Pretty much. And for a lot of people, part four is their favorite film. And I do hear a lot of people talking about the character. And like I said, Crispin did go on to have a great career. That's just the beauty of Friday, because a lot of times it does kind of kickstart some of these people's careers. So you see it right there, like Lando said, 
when you mentioned about the corkscrew it's like oh that's mcfly and it's you're like exactly that's the same kind of thing that you see in another great film it just transitioned over into that so that just shows the talents that the guy has and i wish he would do conventions of course that would be a huge deal if he did but that's definitely a signature that you don't see on a lot of friday stuff at least i don't anyway so Anyways, moving on to the final spot. At number five, we are back to one of my favorite films, Friday the 13th Part 3. And in that number five spot is a person who has actually been a guest on this show previously. And that is iconic Friday smoker David Kadams, who plays the role of Chuck. Heavy shit. Now... As far as the stoners go in Friday, Chuck is hands down the best. There's no argument and not not a huge, huge role in the film, but it's very iconic in the fact that, of course, you got the you got the specific stoner, of course, dressed to the part, everything, everything's there, the old Cheech and Chong look. Another thing that I always think of with this character is because it's when I think of Friday the 13th, one of the scenes that always pops into my head is when Chuck dies and the light comes on and you see Jason and it's just like, Oh shit. Like that is just a very iconic picture. I actually have a a photo enlargement of that. And it's just a, it's just like an Oh shit moment. And then of course uh, he did. I mean, you're, he's gone after that. So yeah, those couple things, will always be when I think of Chuck, that's, that's what I think of. So what is it about the iconic smoker for you, Ben? Well, you know, in Freddy versus Jason, if, if Freeberg was a copy of Jane silent Bob, then Chuck is definitely Cheech and Chong. Like you said, uh, he had the classic death scene for me. I, I remember, you know, Hey, the van's on fire and they all run out there. And of course, you know, they're in the back smoke. And I think that just seals the deal right there. He's, would have been a great guy, I guess, to always have around because he's always got weed. Uh, always a good good outlook on things. He was always laughing, I guess, because he was always stoned. But uh, I, I don't know. I guess just, just classic 80s stoner. Yeah, that was, of course, a different between that and, I mean, we always say classic Friday stuff. And we can say that about, like, every fucking film. But when you think about it, there are a lot of classic Friday moments because we have so many films, but when you think about the real true classic Friday moments, some of them, which we've already talked about, but it is very iconic. It might not be a huge deal, but it's just something that you always think about. Like you said, the, the van scene with the smoke billowing out and stuff and then Cheech and Chonging it up in there. It's just little stuff like that. That really adds to characters that might not necessarily be, a huge deal. And David was great to talk to. And anybody that wants to check out that episode, just go to campbloodpodcast.com, search previous episodes and just scroll down. You'll see it. But I had a great conversation with him. He, he did mention, and I had heard this before, but he had mentioned that um, people always say that they don't, don't recognize him. Uh, Of course, years later, he, he looks older, but he said that he, had to grow the beard and stuff out for the film that he, he didn't wear a beard regularly. So he said, of course, after the movie, yeah, I shave and I look like I would normally do. And people didn't recognize me because I don't look anything like I did on film. So, uh, yeah, go definitely go ahead and check out that back episode. There's a lot of good stuff that David shared and um, just a great guy to talk to. I wish he, he would do some more conventions also. He did tell me, though, that he's up for doing more. He just said he flat out doesn't really get 
that many requests. So he told me to definitely pass on to the fans that if you're wanting him to be booked at any local conventions to you, just simply make the request. He said he, he would love to do some more and uh, hopes to get some more requests coming up in the near future. So definitely check out the back episode with him. And Lando, I know that you're a part three fan like I am too. Why Chuck? Well, I think you both guys touched on it a little bit, the idea of the Cheech and Chong. I was just essentially you just bring a guy in and say, you know what, just do do your best Tommy Chong. And, you know, he nailed it. Um, you guys pretty much covered everything that, you know, that was worthwhile about him. But it was just it was the goofiness and the giggling like you would expect. But I think I, I love the fact that they stayed in character. He never swayed from anything. I mean, he was just he was just there to have a good time and get high and and, and just have a ball. And when shit got weird, you know, he was just, he was like a frightened little mouse. I mean, you know, he just, he didn't want to go downstairs by himself. He's like, what's going on? I go out to the barn. He's like, let's get out of here. I mean, it was just, it was just the idea of like the, the weed making you paranoid. And, you know, it's certainly there were reasons to be paranoid, but, you know, at the time he didn't really know that. Uh, I, I just like the aspect of him being soft and his girlfriend's like, come on, you know, it was just kind of like, the 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 Jeff and Sandra kind of scenario, like uh, you know, in a one film later, he's just like she she wants to go out there and look into things, and he's like, no no no, let's this is not a good idea. But his was taken to the the next level because of because he was always baked. So yeah, I mean he's he's definitely a memorable character. I mean obviously we have him as our number five on here. I mean it's it's impossible to dislike the character if nothing else. Even if listeners don't think that he should be in the top five, I don't think there's anybody could say that I hate that character. I would, yeah, I would really find that hard to believe that any True Friday fan would dislike that character. And of course, like I said, these are just our opinions and these could be interchanged really in any way too. And I wouldn't dis- really disagree with that. I mean, it's it's hard to pick five characters for the sake of conversation out of uh, so many films. Like I said, uh, some of them have very minor roles, so they, they might not get the love that some of the others get. But uh, I think that most Friday fans that they're, if you were to put him in a top five or not even necessarily specifically numbered, just say five in general with no ranking that you're going to see the majority of these names on that list. Um, but that might be an interesting, an interesting poll for later. So, but anyways, uh, being that most of the films obviously were throughout the eighties, we did not want to include 2009 characters. Uh, we felt like that should kind of be separate because big generational gap there. Uh, obviously a lot of time had passed. So characters are different. Styles are different, just life in general. So it's not really fair to throw the 2009 in with the eighties crowd. And of course, Freddie versus Jason was a totally different type of film and we're not going to include that. However, for honorable mention, we are going to throw in there 2009 and who we thought would be a top character for that film. And we came to a very quick conclusion that Chewie would definitely be the top. Poor people call this a house. Jesus Christ. And Chewie was portrayed by Aaron Yu. And uh, great job. I mean, I think that character relates very well to some of the things that we said about this top five list as far as um, the goofiness and, you know, what we see with uh, Jimmy, what we see with Larry Zerner uh, playing Shelly. That Chewy character is it reminds me of that, but basically a new generation of that. So I think maybe that's why I really related with that character. But also shoot 
the boot. I mean, fuck, shoot the boot. <laughs> so, yeah, unfortunately, he had to shoot the boot, but that's what happens when you lose. So, thoughts on that, Lando? I don't think he minded shooting the boot at all. You know, he's just trying to get the jackass to do it, and he won't do it. So, he's like, fuck it, I'll do it. I'm not going to pass up beer. Um, I Everything you said is is spot on. I mean, he's just, he's, he's just a very likable character. And I always like, you know, those type of characters in these films and when they don't try too hard. They were just like, you know, they, they wanted him to be a likable character. They gave him some interesting things to do and interesting things to say. And he didn't go over the top with it. You know, he was just he just came across as a, a kid that was just having a good time. And he's going to crack some lines and some jokes and rip on his friends. And he's just, you know, he's just having a ball. And I think that's why it stood out. I mean, even, you know, you think about the scene when he goes out to the garage, he's like, most people would call this a house. I mean, he's even by himself and he's cracking lines. And uh, so, you know, it, it kind of occurred to me while we were talking, though, you think about it, the way court is, with, you know, Tom Fridley, you know, with Jason lives, Chewie's kind of like that version from 09. You know, he he, he is just exact. They're not exactly the same character, but the same type of character. And they were both played by people who were able to pull it off and, and made them as likable as they were. Because let's face it, you get a script and it's just words on a page until you actually turn it into something. And uh, I mean, he was just, he, he's definitely very, very likable. And if we were to include 09 in there and not say that it's going to be its own thing, I, he still would have probably made a top five for me. Yeah, I, I totally agree with, with that. And they are very similar. Like I said, Larry Zarner and uh, Crispin Glover, like I said, they played their characters with the comedy side and on all that good business. And he did not, Chewie was definitely not over the top either. It was just the right amount. Right. But like I said, I, I think being that <clears throat> it's so much, so much time has passed between those films. And of course, 2009, obviously over 20 years. And it, to me, it was like, it was almost like nostalgia. I'm watching, I'm like, holy shit, that reminds me of, of, uh, of Shelly and Jimmy. And he would be in, in my 10 for sure, but he wouldn't be in the five, but he would definitely be in a 10 because I, I, I just really like the character. And that's, that's probably one of the few that when he dies, you're like, ah, oh, damn, you know, that, that sucks. Yeah. You but, actually felt bad when he died. Yeah. yeah I mean, you kind of feel bad, but it's like, why couldn't he have just like chopped his head off real quick? Like he just didn't want to see him <laughs> suffer by getting gouged through the you know back of the neck. But yeah. it was a brutal scene by all means. And I loved it, but any of the other characters, I wouldn't have been like, Oh, that sucks. Uh, well, they, they've, I've heard that before. I'm, I'm back when I used to watch the walking dead. I don't anymore. It happened since like season four. So I, I don't know what on season eight, whatever, but somebody was on the talking dead and they were talking about that. It's like the more likable the character, the more agonizing the death needs to be. And I think that, you know, for Chewie, that definitely applies. I mean, I think, you know, like you said, they could have done that to anybody else and it would have been like, oh, all right, that's cool or whatever. But with him, you're like, oh, no, 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 don't don't do that, you know, because you like him so much. So I think there's definitely something to that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. So, Ben, uh, you being a little bit younger than us, obviously, 2009 and then um, between what we've seen in the 80s and those characters, how does how did Chewie uh, relate? with the rest of them as far as the 2009 film goes. Well, I think you guys kind of hit the nail right on the head. I, every person that we have mentioned on the list, I mean, they were, they were funny and they were goofy uh, and just seemed like a good time. You know, somebody fun to be around. So I think Chewie fits in real great, you know, right there. He, he was always, you know, a party animal, but uh, 
also, uh, he had a positive outlook on things when, when he breaks the chair, you know, he's, Oh, I can fix this. He, he didn't <laughs> freak out. He wasn't a dick or nothing, you know? So I think he would have been overall a good friend to have. If, if I could go to a bar and drink with Paul, I definitely wanted, wanted to, uh, you know, smoke and party with Chewy. So yeah. And even, even in his, his death, he had a gruesome death scene and, you know, he's making jokes to Jason. So I think that right there was classic uh and and shoot the boot i mean that's right up there with you know jimbo's dance i think that it just fits in it made him kind of stand out more more of a iconic character i know there was such a big gap you know between the 80s and the the 09 film but maybe you know 20 years from now we'll look back at chewy and and yeah he he fits in great with our other characters i think if you if you would have transplanted him in a you know turn the clock back and take him, put him in an 80s Friday film, and just change the clothes, obviously, like the rest of the cast, he would have fit right in. There's no doubt. And that's one of the things that I think draws me to that character, too. Like you said, there's just there's so many similarities there. It just draws you right to it. And when I think about Friday 2009, one of the things that comes to mind immediately is fucking shoot the boot. I mean, that was like the, right. the main line from the movie that everybody would know. So, yeah, I've even, uh, you know, uh, the director... Um, Marcus, when he was on a back episode too, and uh, I, I think I even the episode was even titled "Shoot the Reboot" or something like that. I have to go back and look, but yeah, I mean it was like the main little catchphrase of the film. So with that and his likeness to the other characters, uh, I think it was a no-brainer as far as two thousand nine goes. So, any other thoughts on that for either of you? No, I think we've pretty much covered everything there's to this talk about with Chewy. I mean, memorable likable funny you know just a good time you'd be somebody you want to hang out with i I think that that pretty much encapsulates everything all right well there you have it there is the hour i should say top five from the 80s films and then of course from 2009 like i said didn't think it was really fair to include 2009 with uh with the others so just kind of left it as that so As far as the next episode, since we did mail on this one, we will be dedicating the next episode to the top female characters of Friday the 13th. So be on the lookout for that next week, and we will break those down for you as well. So that wraps up another episode of Return to Camp Blood. So please rate and review wherever you listen to the show at. Also, check us out on Facebook at Camp Blood Podcast. And to check out some of the mentioned back episodes, you can find those on our website, campbloodpodcast.com. And if you have any suggestions, definitely feel free to drop us a line. We will take those into consideration. So another uh, thank you to Eric Vandermark for your suggestion. We appreciate that. And also, if you want to help us represent the show, head on over to slasher-tees.com. You can also check them out on Facebook at Slasher Tees and pick up one of our cool show shirts. And thanks for tuning in, and we will appreciate and definitely look into any other suggestions that you might have. So, like I said, feel free to drop us a line. This episode was brought to you by Friday the 13th Franchise. Until next time.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.